Welcome to another episode of Make Music Happen, a podcast brought to you by the Songbirds Guitar and Pop Culture Museum. I'm one of your hosts, John Dooley. And I'm your other host, Charlie Moss. Today we're talking to special effects and makeup artist Greg Nicotero. He's known for his work in movies like Scream, Evil Dead 2, and Day of the Dead, and TV shows like Creepshow, and most notably, The Walking Dead. And we hear you, we hear you, Halloween was last month, but... Hey, zombies and blood spattering aren't just for October. Let's extend the celebration through the holiday season. Listeners, you may be asking yourself, what does Greg Nicotero have to do with music? Not a lot of people know this, but Greg is a musician, specifically a guitarist. Yeah, he's also part owner in uh, Nick and Norman's, the restaurant here in the Choo Choo campus alongside the museum. He's come up and checked out the collection. He got to play a gold top or two. I was just in awe of some of the things that you guys had on display there. Just from a collectible standpoint and a historical significance standpoint. He's also on Instagram. And if you're not following him, you should. He has videos of him playing his guitars and he's also got a band. So you can check out some of his performances on there. But before we get to all that, we're going to take a small break and hear from the executive director of the Songbirds Foundation, Reed Caldwell. Hey, Reed, uh, what's going on with the foundation and the museum these days? A lot. I mean, we've got a we've got a new program manager starting soon. Oh, cool. uh, it's going to be pretty great. She's a certified music therapist, and it's going to just really be awesome to have somebody like that on staff who can really help further the uh, Guitars for Kids program. Got tons of new exhibits coming. That's awesome. We're also doing a lot of work in the museum, getting some new exhibits uh, installed. We're also working to get the vault reopened so people can tour that. Um, That should open in January. And speaking of the vault, you know, we've got a lot of great vault sessions coming up. For those of you who don't know, the vault sessions is our web series where we pair amazing vintage and rare guitars with celebrity talent and see what kind of stories come out of it. You can find that on YouTube under the Songbirds Foundation channel. We've uh, released a bunch of cool ones recently. We had a, um, a great interview with Norman Blake we did numerous years ago and we uh, released parts of it, um, I guess like, what was that, like three years ago? Yeah, it was in 2018. And people have been just dying to see all of it. So we released the whole hour and hour and 30 minutes of it maybe it was last week we got a lot of great comments we had a guy that i read some of the comments yesterday it's it's just awesome to see people being excited about norman blake and um you know just knowing how important he is to music and how many albums he was on i mean he was on everything every johnny cash album he was on you know bob dylan's albums and i mean just countless i mean oh brother where art thou that's that's cool you you brought one of those comments here today to read right yeah, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase, but this guy was saying that his uh, his wife passed away like four years ago from cancer, and oh, no. uh, you know he he's just been crushed since then and really hasn't been able to play his instrument anymore. And then he, he's, he saw Norman Blake, who's uh, I think 83 now, uh, playing on the vault sessions, and he got excited again and went, picked his guitar up and played it, uh, helped him kind of work through some stuff. I think that kind of stuff is really awesome when you see you know the power of music i know we talk a lot about our kids program but 
Uh, you know, we just want people to realize that the guitar is an amazing, you know, instrument that gives voice to a lot of people, helps people work through things. Yeah, really the therapy side of it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just kind of amazing. That just really hit me hit me in the feels, you know? Yeah. It's just a great thing to know that, like, there's uh, people out there that are seeing content that we're creating and being inspired in some way to pick up a musical instrument. Because we really, our main goal here at the Foundation is to encourage everyone to pick up a guitar and play. Because it's an important part of life. Music is a great communication tool, a great therapy tool, just a great you know tool to be able to blow off some steam and uh deal with the stresses of everyday life and we got a lot of that we got a lot of stresses these days and it's just really nice to to have that avenue there (laughs) well well said thanks for stopping by yeah thanks for having me Okay, okay, okay. Back to Greg. John, I I can't tell you how excited I was about chatting with Greg. I mean, the guy's known for his work in the horror movie genre, but he's also worked on a few Quentin Tarantino movies like Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2, Django Unchained, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He did special effects makeup for TV shows like Deadwood, Breaking Bad, and Preacher. The guy's been in the industry for almost 40 years. Dawn of the Dead was the movie that really made me want to learn about makeup. He's talking about the original Dawn of the Dead, by the way. because the zombie bites and the exploding heads. And that sort of instantly made me a lifelong fan of, of horror movies. But I would have to say that Jaws was the movie that really made me want to do special effects because I saw a couple of, in Time Magazine, or news Time Magazine, right when Jaws came out, there were a few photos of the shark behind the scenes, like in the dry dock that was being repaired. And I wanted to learn more about the people that built the shark. I have to come clean right here. I'm actually not that much of a horror guy, but it is always cool to hear stories about how people we admire or even just masters of the craft became inspired to make their own path in in their specific medium. Yeah, and, and Greg has a great story about Spielberg's ingenuity um, while making Jaws. Like when his back was against the wall and he had to pull something out of his ass because the production company was starting to basically shut down the movie. He was in his early 20s when he made that movie. And to understand the ins and outs of filmmaking as well as he did, when the effects people came and said, yeah, we're having trouble with the shark. We're not gonna be able to see the shark nearly as much as we had hoped. For them to come up with an idea of like, oh, well, why don't we just drag a barrel around behind the orca and the audience associates the shark with the barrel. So when they see the barrel, which was just a plastic barrel painted yellow, it actually elicited 
an emotional response. That to me is is the brilliance of of what Steven Spielberg did and and his team. I love hearing that it's a minimalist solution with just like huge emotional affect. And in the same vein, we have to mention John Williams. That score was just so simple and so eerie. We're listening to it right now. It still works. Speaking of music, John, even though I nerded out with Greg about Evil Dead 2 and some other horror stuff, we did talk about how music plays a role when he's writing or working on one of his monster creations. I know when I've been writing, there's been times where I will listen to soundtracks. You know, I'll listen to, you know, I'll listen to Christopher Young's soundtrack from from uh, from Hellraiser or something. You know, I love horror soundtracks and I love all soundtracks, actually. So it really is interesting that music has such a tremendous connection to that creative spark. If you're sitting there sculpting and you're listening to music, you know, there's there's a certain sort of groove that you get into. And I think music helps you find that rhythm that that allows you the opportunity to feel creatively free. I think music does that. Uh, and it does and it does it in a really in a, in a really fundamental way. Yeah, this absolutely resonates with me. I know it resonates with other people working in creative fields. It's music in this way, like a passive inspiration while you're creating is often a thing that can get you unstuck. Yeah, actually, I've, I've got experience when when I write, too. It's hard for me to listen to music with words, but um, my go to also is like movie soundtracks. And so I, depending on my mood and what I'm writing you know, like creatively, I'll pick a soundtrack that's either like, super dramatic or, you know, scary or sad if it needs to be. Um, and it always it always helps kind of like push me through. Yeah. R- real quick. What's a what's a go to? Honestly, one of my favorite soundtracks is The Road by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Well, you know, I, I do want to say there's something very unique about the combination of horror movies and music, especially guitar players, because a lot of my friends are big musicians who play in bands who are fans of the work that I do. And consequently, I'm fans of the work that they do. So I find I've been friends with Kirk Hammett for 30 years almost. Um, Phil Collins slash Scott Ian. A lot of these guys that are, a lot of these guys that are guitar players are big fans of horror movies. And we became friends just out of that common interest, which I find really kind of unique. I started playing when I was 13 or 14 years old. I had a red Kalamazoo guitar <coughs> that I that I got. And I listened to Leonard Skinner and Rush and Led Zeppelin and Triumph. The way he name drops here, just a few friends, you know. Yeah, but I guess as big time as it is, there's still a humble beginning to it all. I can just imagine Greg 
plucking Stairway to Heaven on his guitar, you know, those humble beginnings of like, man, I want to just learn this song. Can't stop until I learn this song. I, I play guitar for myself. It clears my head. It makes me feel good. You know, I have a band that I play in that we, we've played a couple gigs, uh, mostly comprised of people that were crew members on The Walking Dead. And we would get together and play covers and we played a couple shows and we have a great time doing it. And we're actually really good, but we're never together and we never really have the time to set up these gigs. But, you know, I'm, I really love playing. You know, I have, I, I, I brought a Fender Acoustasonic and a Les Paul with me to Paris. By the way, I wanna, I wanna mention that Greg took time out of his really busy production schedule in Paris to talk with us. He talked with us like for over an hour. And, you know, I'm, I travel with guitars everywhere I go. And, you know, I, it's something that Slash told me once. It's like when they're on the road, he sits in his hotel room with his guitar in his lap all the time. So when I'm on location, it's kind of what I do too. You know, when I'm back at my apartment or my hotel room, I'm sitting with a guitar in my lap playing. And that, that's the greatest medicine in the world. John, did, did you ever watch The Walking Dead or did you ever read any of those comics? Yeah, I got, I got hooked on the comics pretty early on and I was a devoted fan for three or four seasons and then I just kind of lost momentum with it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't watch it anymore. I think I stopped around season seven or so. It's just too hard to keep up with all the shows available to stream now, so I kind of forgot about it. But I remember seeing the first teaser for the show like you know, 12 years ago and just being so excited. And that, that teaser, that the, there's a song that the sun ain't gonna shine anymore by the, by the Walker Brothers plays um, in that teaser. And it's just a great juxtaposition to like what's going on on screen with zombies all around and Rick riding around on a horse, uh, being chased by zombies folks shooting zombies in the head. I've always really liked that song, but when that teaser came out, it just put it into a whole new context. Is a cloak you wear. Oh yeah, I totally remember that. What a hype way to open an era, right? And, and now here we are at the end of, what, 12 years later? When is the, when's the finale, by the way? Yeah, it's um, it's airing November twentieth, I believe. Oh man! So, what are Greg's feelings about ending a show that he's been a part of for over a decade? Well, you know, it's it was a really unique adventure. I mean, The Walking Dead opened so many doors for me. It allowed me it allowed me because of Frank Darabont Darabont to direct, which I think was was. Amazing. You know, I, I became an executive producer on the show. I launched Creep Show. You know, I'm currently producing uh, the Daryl Dixon spinoff with Norman. So, you know, it, it's like The Walking Dead ended, but the saga continues, you know. And it was a great, it was a great experience. It had its highs and it's had its lows. I remember being at a rap party one night and, and, and saying to the crew that people remember The Walking Dead the way they remember Twilight Zone or Star Trek or MASH. 
uh, it will be TV shows that have changed history. And Walking Dead is one of those shows. Walking Dead is a show that changed history. And at the moment, you know, we're focusing on Walking Dead, but I know Greg has done more work than just horror. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's done other genres for sure. Um, when he formed his own company, K&B Effects Group, with Robert Kurtzman and uh, Howard Berger, it was uh, in the late 80s, right before Jurassic Park and the rise of CGI. So they were kind of caught in this sweet spot between like practical effects and computer generated effects. We got into it right at the right time. You know, I think if it had been two years later, we might have missed that big boom of prosthetic makeup effects uh, films because in the mid 90s, uh, 95, 96, when Jurassic Park was done and The Abyss was done, that's when CGI really took off. So I think we, we got there right at the nick of time. Clever girl. I, I would also say that one of the things that really set us apart was the projects that we did. We didn't just do gore stuff. You know, one of our first movies was a film called Gross Anatomy, which we got in part because George Romero told Deborah Hill, who produced that movie, that I was pre-med and that I had taken anatomy classes in college and art classes in college and pre-med biology classes in college. And we got hired. It was a Disney movie about people going through medical school, but we made these cadavers. And the next thing you know, we're having a meeting with Kevin Costner and he's looking at our portfolio and he sees the cadaver. And he's like, wow, those are really realistic looking. And we got uh, the job to build the buffalo for Dances with Wolves. So within two years of our company's inception, we went from doing a low-budget horror movie to a Disney comedy drama to the best picture of 1989 or 1990, which was Dances with Wolves. I know we're running out of time, John, but I really want to mention Evil Dead 2. It's one of my, my favorite movies. Are, uh, is it going to do anything to our friendship when I tell you I've never seen it? I mean, it might. I, I, <laughs> I think what you need to do, really, I mean, right after this, you know, podcast is just go, you just need to go watch it. Okay, I'll report back. Uh, Greg told me during filming that uh, he had his own video camera. Uh, and so, um, he had it on all the time during production. Like he, he taped whatever he could. Um, and so he was telling me like just how fun it was and, and, uh, man, it, it would have been fun to be on set with all those guys. Oh man. Uh, I would love to get my hands on that. Maybe next year for the Halloween smash, we can, uh, get him to give us some of that footage in lieu of a Q and a, we'll just show BTS of, Evil Dead 2. That would be amazing. I talked to him about um, the co- the cool special effects in, in, uh, in Evil Dead 2. They're so over the top. Um, just so amazingly fun and stupid and, and, and outrageous. Evil Dead 2 was really a lot of fun. You know, we all lived in, in rental houses uh, in Wadesboro, North Carolina. And it was like summer camp. I, you know, you kind of... If, if somebody would have been smart, they would have filmed 
us. Well, I did, but none of us got murdered. I was like, you'd make a movie about a bunch of filmmakers in a camp style like that, making a movie and getting killed off one by one. But, you know, for me, the fun part was is that I did have a video camera with me at all times. Something that Tom Savini had sort of instilled in me, which is this, like, you have to document everything. You have to document all everything that you do. And when we did Day of the Dead, I was the one that filmed all the behind-the-scenes uh, footage with Tom's video camera. So I bought a video camera, and for a lot of the films that I worked on, I was the guy on set with the camera. Now they would never let you do that. Now they would never let you be on set with a camera because now they realize, oh, well, you don't own that footage. We want to own that footage. We want to control it. It's all NDAs and you got to sign this and you can't shoot that. And it's all, all over the world is like that. So I feel like I was very fortunate enough at that time to have the foresight to have a camera with me on set and actually capture a lot of history. Just another quick plug for Greg's Instagram here. If you are into BTS content, you can see all kinds of stuff from The Walking Dead or whatever uh, monstrosity uh, Greg happens to be building in his studio at the time. The Evil Dead 2 experience was really, really fun. It was so much fun to work on that movie. We were all young. We were all excited about working on the, the sequel to The Evil Dead, you know? And I, I do think that the original movie, with its low-budget um, trappings, really did have a... Uh, have a gritty rawness to it. I think when we made Evil Dead 2, Sam had a lot more money, so everything looked a little more polished. And I think at that point, he was really kind of finding his voice as a filmmaker. So there were some funny gags in there. There were things that were a little more outrageous that didn't show up in the first Evil Dead film. And I think a lot of that was because that was stuff that inspired Sam, you know, the eyeball, you know, jumping on the peewee head and the eyeball shooting across the room. That was a gag right out of a Three Stooges episode. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. Uh, it sounded, it's sounding almost like comedy the way Greg's describing it. I, I can probably get through this one. Oh, yeah. It's uh, comedy horror at its finest. Yeah, that'll bring me around to the genre, maybe. Guy, huh? Well, uh, I think we're about out of time, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and a very warm thank you to Greg Nicotero for spending some time with us. He's a great friend of the foundation. I wish I could be there. Look, I wish you could me. be here too. Look, next time you come back up to Chattanooga, we'll figure out something. I know. Well, it's going it, to. It, hopefully, it'll be soon. Maybe December. Or so we'll figure something out. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm sorry if my I'm sorry if my connection sucked, but um, hopefully you got what you needed. Yeah, we did. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great right. day. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. See ya. And if you're curious about 
future events at Songbirds, just go to our website at uh, songbirdsfoundation.org. Charlie, who who else do we have coming up on the podcast? We've canned so many uh, interviews for this podcast. Um, you know, we've got um, Emily Wolf, Speech from Arrested Development, the Shindellas out of Nashville, Richard Lloyd from Television, uh, Simon Tam from The Slants. I mean, and, and lots more. Yeah, so just keep an eye on our social media, and um, when we get them done, we'll put them out. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Make Music Happen is a production of the Songbirds Guitar and Pop Culture Museum. We are produced by Charlie Moss and Reed Caldwell. This episode was written by Charlie Moss and me, John Dooley. The edit, sound design, mix, and master was done by me. Our logo and show art is by Mars Michael. And special thanks to Greg Nicotero, Victoria Sauer, and WUTC.